Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the dugout. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm joined along with Justin. Justin, how are we today? So far, so good, man. Excited to, to hop into some free agent news. Yeah, so obviously the big one, Yoshinobu Yamamoto to the Dodgers. The Dodgers are building a super team over there in L.A. Um, biggest deal in pitcher history for yeah. uh, for someone who hasn't pitched in a, in a major league game yet. What do we think <laughs> about that? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Dodgers are all in, I think, uh, at this point. You know, Dave Roberts is, I'm sure he's excited, but I'm sure also he knows that if he doesn't take home a championship next year, that he's not going to have a job <laughs> after that. Um, 100%, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah I'm, I mean, obviously, yeah, hasn't thrown a pitch in, in the major leagues yet. Um, you know, was an absolute stud, you know, in the Japanese league. You know, he won the equivalent of the Cy Young over there three times, MVP. Um the guy can pitch, but yeah, the Dodgers are are throwing out a lot of money. They got Teoscar Hernandez that they were just able to kind of acquire as well, uh, adding another All Star to the lineup. Which it's hard to see. I mean, especially now with Yamamoto and, and pitching has been addressed a little bit with him. Obviously, um, man, the Dodgers are, are pretty stacked. If they don't take it all next year, it's going to be something that uh, it's going to be a lot of rough on the feathers there. I would say. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Dodgers window. Seems obviously they're going all in on this on their window right now. They added Teoscar for one year, twenty three and a half million. Um, I think they're paying him a lot. They deferred a lot of it, I think. Um, which obviously smart a one year, twenty three and a half million contract is almost unheard of. That's that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, obviously Yamamoto, twelve years, turned to twenty five million. Uh, they're only paying him five million this year, ten million next year, twelve million in twenty twenty six. Um, and then after that, it goes up 26, 29, 28. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very evident that, you know, they, they've kind of understood and realized that this is their window to win. Um, we obviously talked about previously, you know, their lack of success with the roster they have. Obviously, the 2020 World Series and, you know, people have their opinions on that. But, you know, their, their window is open. Uh and to get a player like Yamamoto, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize that it's not just the 325 million they're paying them. They had to pay an extra 50 million to the Oryx Buffaloes, which is, you know, a crazy amount of money as well. Um, obviously, kind of gets washed out in in the mix of you know 325 million. Doesn't seem very crazy, but you know, just paying to get the guy and then having to pay the guy, uh, you know, it's a it's a lot of money. Uh, they're they're obviously very committed. Uh, Yamamoto, obviously, incredible player, um, but again, it's it's a uh, it's a crazy deal for for a player. No matter how good in in Japan he was, uh, who hasn't thrown a single pitch or even stepped on a major league field. Yeah, it's a lot of money for, for to your point for <clears throat> essentially a rookie, right? I mean, like I saw updated like rookie of the year standings, and he's favored to win. But it puts in perspective just how much. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's never thrown a pitch in the MLB before. And so to drop 325 million, yeah, they've kind of set up his contract where, you know, first couple of years aren't necessarily going to be a lot of out of pocket expense, but at the same time, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a gamble in that way. If it works out and they take home world series, I think they're going to be happy. Cause obviously, you know, as you alluded to, all their chips are pushed in for right now. Um, you know, and I'm sure Otani had an effect on getting Yamamoto there. Cause I know the giants were, <laughs> very sad to not land Yamamoto and they had a very similar deal on the table. But uh, yeah, I mean, 
ultimately, I think it's going to be it's going to be pretty interesting to see. I mean, I, they have to be the favorites. I think they realize, yeah, their windows now. Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, those guys aren't going to get any younger. Um, no. You know, for for them to both be in top three in MVP voting, you know, the time is is now. Um, you know, and they got some young some young players as well. But I think ultimately they're like, hey, if we can get everything going, get a championship going, especially after last year, I think. Uh, you know, obviously the D-backs went to the World Series, but getting bounced by them, I, I think, was a surprise to almost everybody. Um, I'm assuming the Dodgers as well in that regard, and I, I don't think they want to see that again. So, like yeah. I said, if they don't get there, <laughs> man, I don't know what's going to happen there. I know for sure Dave Roberts might be looking for a new job, but ultimately the roster shakeup at that point would be interesting to see. But, yeah, I mean, they have to be the favorites with the roster that they have now, and, and assuming Yamamoto is going to be – at least productive. Obviously, I don't know if he's going to go out there and win the Cy Young year one. I, I, I heavily doubt that, but you never know. Um, but as long as he's a productive starter, I mean, ultimately, I think at this point for them, that's really all they're looking for. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, the even scarier part is now just with what they've added with Glasnow and, and Yamamoto. Um, you know, they already had a pretty solid rotation. Um, yeah. They have Bobby Miller, who's super young, obviously not paying him a lot. At the very moment, another guy, Emmett Sheehan, who came up for them, pitched very well. Um, you know, Gonsolin had his contract year, had a great year, wasn't very good after that. Still, uh, still a very you know usable and decent starter in the major leagues. Obviously, you have Walker Buehler as well. Um, so I think the scary part here is you know the Dodgers have been linked to guys like Class A. Uh, the Guardians could definitely use some starting pitching, um, and you know you get arguably the the second best closer in baseball behind, um, behind Felix Bautista. You could ar- even argue that he is the best closer in baseball ahead of Bautista. Yeah. Um, so if you let a team like that, you know, leverage some, some, some luxury resources on their end uh, yeah. to get even better, um, you know, that's a, that's a pretty scary thought because, you know, they don't really have uh, a marquee closer at the moment, I, I guess I'd say. Obviously, yeah. Bruce Argraterol, you know, great reliever. Um, I don't think Trinan's there anymore. So, yeah, I mean, the Dodgers, uh, they have a bunch of pieces to play with. You know, they obviously have a lot of young prospects as well. You know, their farm system isn't too bad. Guys like Michael Bush, you know, his name's been in a lot of trade scenarios over the past couple of years. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty scary thought to, uh, to uh, think about the luxuries the Dodgers can afford at the moment. Um, obviously, they're you know committed a, over a billion dollars to both Shohei and, and Yamamoto, um, and then to even think that guys like Roki Sasaki next year, you know, already linked to the Dodgers. The Dodgers have already shown interest in him. Uh, yeah. Murakami is going to be coming over as well. The Dodgers are probably going to end up needing a third baseman after Max Muncie. You know, yeah. Muncie's definitely out of his prime at this point. Um, so it's, uh, you know, and then you, you mix in Shohei and Yamamoto already being there. It's a pretty scary prospect to think that the Dodgers are just building Team Japan in the United States, uh, you know, and obviously the best parts of Team Japan at that, too. So I don't know, man. It's the, the Dodgers are, are building building a dynasty. They're building a super team. Um, obviously, I think the question is how sustainable can it be with the amount of money you're putting down and, and you know, the commitment you've made to two major players. Uh, if you want to add Freeman and Betts, you know, that's four. Um, it's a lot. I mean, they're, they've 
we're getting close to $2 billion between those four players. And let's say they go get one of Roki Sasaki or Munitaka Murakami, you know, you're looking at a $2 billion uh, big five. Um, so that's a, that's a scary prospect. Obviously, you know, baseball works a lot differently than other sports. And, uh, you know, if you can afford it, you can afford it. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on how this is for baseball? Obviously, baseball, I think, you know, I've always made the case that it's the hardest sport to build a super team because it doesn't, you know, you can build a super team. Um, but it doesn't matter as much as, as if, you know, you're in the NBA or the NFL. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot more variables to, uh, to the game of baseball itself, just bare bones baseball than just a super team. Um, so yeah, let, let's hear it. Yeah, man. I mean, yeah, it's ultimately, I think to your point, it's very unlike, I mean, even in the NFL or, or the NBA, where it's a lot harder to build a super team. There's a lot more games, a lot more players factored in. Um, you know, obviously the money, when we start talking about $2 billion, it's just, it's pretty hard to fathom, especially if they start going after the other Japanese talent next year. This reminds me, you know, kind of old school Steinbrenner Yankees, where it yeah. was like, I'm going to pay anything I can to get to a World Series. And as long as we win, we're fine, right? And so mm-hmm. I think ultimately that's like their perspective as well. Um, because obviously LA is a huge market. The Dodgers brand is insane and especially adding a lot of japanese talent going to become even more international than they already are um but i think ultimately to your point you know building a super team is not easy i think that's why you see the dodgers continue to try to add talent because for the most part they had a very very good lineup last year that they paid a lot of money for and the diamondbacks still (laughs) found their way in the world series with a pretty minimal salary on their team Mm -hmm. so again i think you know, if you're a Dodgers fan or, you know, in Dodgers ownership or part of the organization, if you want a World Series this year, I think for them, it's 100% worth it. And I think ultimately, if they, you know, add some Japanese talent next year, and they win another one, then it's like, wow, the Dodgers are geniuses. They go out this year, and they fall flat, then people are gonna be like, well, that was idiotic. And I think that's the game you play when you start dumping a lot of a lot of money into a team. But ultimately, I think, again, I think you nailed it in the sense that building a super team in baseball, is not as easy as people would think, um, you know, especially with as many games, injuries. Uh, I mean, any given day, you could have your Cy Young pitcher on the mound and somebody that you've never heard of on the other side can get a W. So um, to me, I don't necessarily think it, uh, it changes much in the sense of, you know, what we've seen before in the past. I think those super teams with the Yankees and the Red Sox back in the day that were, you know, competing for free agents consistently and, that was always super exciting. But at that time, you still had teams like, you know, the Oakland A's who had no payroll at all. And they're still competing for, yeah. you know, for playoff spots and stuff like that. So that's a competitive balance that I think baseball has over any other sport. And, uh, you know, in a way, it's kind of fun to to look at these perspective lineups and say, wow, I can't believe that's going to be a real lineup for the Dodgers this year. So, um, you know, I think it's kind of always been something that's been done in baseball. And I think ultimately... You know, we'll have to see if it actually works for the Dodgers this year or not. This episode is brought to you by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. If you love baseball, you know how important it is to have a good strategy, a solid lineup, and a winning attitude. That's why HelloFresh is the perfect choice for busy fans who want to enjoy delicious, home-cooked meals without spending hours in the kitchen. HelloFresh delivers fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and easy-to-follow recipes right to your door. Whether you're cheering for your favorite team, hosting a watch party, or just looking for a satisfying meal, HelloFresh has your bases covered. So you've resolved to actually sit down and eat dinner around the table. 
But what do you do about those nights when your schedule is packed? Turn to HelloFresh's lineup of quick and easy meals, including their 15-minute recipes designed to help minimize mealtime stress. Don't let recipe boredom strike you out because HelloFresh has more options than ever before. Dig into their biggest menu yet with over 45 dinner options to choose from weekly and even more market add-on items that suit any lifestyle. Their when steak met potatoes should be changed to when my taste buds met home plate because it is an absolute home run. It was the perfect mix of flavor and fun. The gluten-free goodness was a huge plus as well. For sure going for seconds. So what are you waiting for? Go to HelloFresh.com slash dugoutfree and use code dugoutfree for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash dugoutfree with code dugoutfree. Yeah, obviously, as baseball fans, like it's, it's very exciting for us uh, just to be able to watch a team with that much talent in the same lineup. Um, yeah. I think a lot of the issue comes from the salary cap and, you know, people argue that, oh, the Royals wouldn't be able to do this. The A's wouldn't be able to do this. The the Reds wouldn't be able to do this because they can't afford to. And, you know, that may seem unfair to people. Um, my argument to that, though, is, you know, we've seen the Royals win a World Series in the past decade. Um, if you want to look at a small market team like – uh, the Hornets, I guess, in the NBA. When's the last time they were in the finals? Uh, if you want to go to the NFL, like the Texans haven't been in a world, uh, a Super Bowl in God knows ever, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's just kind of the, the, the beautiful part of baseball is again, like as you alluded to, you know, you have a very young and cheap team in the Arizona Diamondbacks and they beat the probably the most, uh, one of the top three most talented teams in baseball last year. Um, and I think that's uh, that's kind of just a testament to how the game is, and in that's kind of my, been my whole thing with the salary cap, um, and and not having one is that you can build the best team possible in baseball, but the ball is not going to fall your way every time, every game. Uh, in the NBA, you can build the best team you possibly can. Your guys are going to hit shots. You know, it, there's no not to say there's no variables into into the sport of basketball, but you can square up a baseball 10 out of 10 times. You're not going to get 10 hits um, yeah. in the NBA. You shoot 10 perfect jumpers. They're going to go in. Uh, it's just kind of how this, the ball rolls in, in these sports. And I think that um, I think that's what obviously, you know, there's a level of disparity between talent, of course, and, you know, if you put a put the Dodgers up against the Athletics ten you know in a ten game series, they're probably going to win eight or nine of them. Um, but especially once you get to October, anything can happen. I mean, we've seen it before. We've seen the Yankees be up three to one over the Red Sox. We've seen you know just we've seen a lot of underdogs come out on top. Um, you know, and we've also seen the Tampa Bay Rays. Like on the flip side, if you want to argue against the sal- like against not having a salary cap. Um, we've seen a very cheap team like the Tampa Bay Rays be the best regular season team in baseball all year, all 162 games you get in the playoffs. And, and it's just, it's, it doesn't help, you know, no one shows up. There's no energy there. Uh, you know, they can never make it over the hump. Um, you get a, you get a smaller team, not that Arizona is a small market team, but it's, you know, smaller team, younger team, Arizona, you know, Arizona baseball hasn't been huge in the past decade, But you get fans that show up to those games, you know, passionate fan base, uh, and they come out on top, make a World Series. Obviously, you know, lost to the the Rangers, but 
it's a, it's just a different game. And I, I don't think that what the Dodgers are doing should be viewed as hurting. Obviously I think the issue with this is we praise the Braves for how well they've built. I'm not going to call them a dynasty yet, but a dynasty level roster, you know, with all the young stars and and paying as little as they possibly can by doing it early. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with the Dodgers doing it now. I mean, there's, it's it's the same idea, but you're buying players that are proven. The Braves, you know, are buying players they were hoping to be proven, and obviously, you know, all credit to their developmental, you know, side of the organization. It's worked out great. Uh, you know, the Dodgers have done that with some players on their roster now, but you know, they're they're going all in to to buy proven players to win a championship, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Uh, you know, we've seen it. Not to this extent, but we've seen it, you know, in the past with with uh, with a lot of teams. Obviously, the Yankees have done it before. Even the Rangers this year did it. Um, yeah. And then, you know, little segue into here: the Red Sox have done it with Chris Sale, who is now an Atlanta Brave. Yep. Yeah. The uh, I saw. I mean, speaking of deferred money, too, I saw. So the Sox are paying seventeen mil. I think they're deferring ten, and I think the Braves yeah. are on the hook for like five hundred k. So yeah. I mean, for them, you know, on paper, you look at his salary initially, and you're like, okay, well, yeah, that's a pretty big trade for them. And I think ultimately, man, what a if I get Chris Sale for half a million dollars, I'm taking that deal all day, every day, especially for the Braves, where you just kind of interject a a veteran, you know, former All Pro uh, into that pitching rotation amongst all of that young talent. You know, Matt Olson having arguably an MVP type season last year that I think kind of went under the radar because Ronald Jr. had, you know, an absolutely terror of a year. So um, I think, yeah, giving them another lefty starter um, amongst that rotation, amongst that, you know, that lineup that they have out there. I think uh, that's going to be one that we potentially look back, you know, come October and be like, wow, this was kind of a veteran move there uh, in terms of getting somebody on the cheap. That's really going to be productive for that team. Yeah, and I think it was a win-win. Obviously, the Red Sox covered a need, um, you know, needed a needed a person to play second base, a very young prospect. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't want to say Grissom's unproven, but you know, he's better than you know trading for a uh, for someone who has never stepped on a, on a on a major league diamond yet. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, Sox fans are looking forward to Marcel Meyer, Nick York, whoever it may be. The farm is loaded, but. You know, Grissom's been up. Grissom showed flashes. You know, uh, he's been doing it for a little longer than, than those other guys. And I think uh, it's a very exciting prospect for both both sides because, you know, the Braves just fill out the rotation even more. Chris Sale. I mean, Chris Sale is a number four. One, there's no pressure on Chris Sale to have to throw 160 innings a year, uh, which he hasn't done in God knows how long. Um, <laughs> and then obviously if Chris Sale gets hurt, it's not that big of a deal for the Braves. Um, you know, yeah. it. And it's not like they're giving up Grissom in a spot where they need to Grissom. You know, they they weren't taking away from from their immediate impact roster. Obviously, he's blocked by Albies and Arcia. He was blocked by Swanson before. So um, I think it was a it was a good good trade for both sides. I think they both got something they need. Um, I mean, yeah. And again, come October, Chris Sale could look like a huge piece for that Braves team, whether it's out of the bullpen or deep in the rotation. Um, and I think that's something, you know, that's kind of caught up with them in the past few years is, is not having um, some pitching depth as they get deeper into the playoffs, um, especially with the injuries they've had. So uh, and then they went and signed him too uh, to a two year, 30 something million dollar deal, which I thought, you know. Maybe was uh, premature just based on, yes. um, 
based on what we've seen Chris Sale do for the past four years. Um, but again, just like the Dodgers, the Red Sox, uh, you know, you got to make those moves to win a World Series. And I think uh, um, that's that's it's going to be it's it's going to come full circle again, because I think it's it's another one of those moves to the Braves that, you know, you move young prospect you really like for for a frontline pitcher. That's that's going to help you deep in October. Yeah, I think I think you nailed it in the sense, too, that I think it is a win win. I mean, ultimately, you know, because if you're the Sox and where you're at right now and you're kind of, you know, you do have a lot of young talent that's going to make their way up, you know, having sale, you know, be one of your aces, even if he gets back to, to Chris sale form doesn't do a whole lot for you now, which is, you know, you get over Grissom, who, to your point, super talented. It's not like the Braves couldn't have used him. They just have an interjection of talent in their middle infield that is kind of blocking his ability to get up. So I think. Ultimately, it's going to be a solid move for both teams. I agree in the sense that I was surprised to see that they signed him right away. But, you know, when we talk about, you know, how different teams do different things, I think that's a part of what the Braves can do because they said, mm-hmm. all right, cool. We got a lot of young talent. We've locked up a lot of young talent over over the next, you know, seven years. Their, their contracts, that's another crazy in terms of how everybody's kind of locked up. So it gives them a little bit of flexibility and being able to make some short term deals. And, you know, in terms of what they have on their roster, I mean, they're they're pretty set. So it allows them to go out, try to get somebody, see if it works. And then to your point, if it doesn't, you know, I don't think if the Braves lose in the NLCS or something like that, I don't think anybody's saying, well, if they had Chris sale, you know, this was, that, that was the thing that really hurt them. So I think ultimately it's kind of a win-win and I'm sure for sale, it's going to be kind of nice to get back to some competitive baseball. And I think uh, for the Red Sox, couple of years we'd be talking about all those prospects and grissom right at the center of it is uh i hope so you know, yeah. why they're successful yeah i know i know you're hoping for that too so um yeah i mean we'll see i think for both sides right if grissom pans out heck yeah for the red sox if sale does anything for the braves heck yeah for atlanta and you know sometimes those trades end up being where neither one of those things happen but i think right. that's on paper right now it looks like a good trade for both sides yeah and uh just moving on with fridges they still you know i think um we kind of get washed out with the big signings, but there's still a lot of a lot of players left in free agency. Um, a ton, obviously, obviously headlining. We have Stroman, you know, Cody Bellinger, Justin Turner still out there. Snell, Josh Hader, Matt Chapman, uh, Reese Hoskins, Jorge Soler, Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell. I, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot of players. A, little, a lot of quality players still left in free agency. Um, and it's kind of you know, I would say. Uh, I think this is probably one of the faster moving MLB free agencies we've seen. I think a lot of times these big name guys uh, wait till close to spring training, like Bryce Harper a couple yeah. years ago. That was that was a spring training Machado spring training. Um, this one got moving pretty quick. I mean, Shohei obviously wanted to make his decision very fast, and that got the ball rolling for everybody. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of interested to see, you know when when the pieces are going to fall obviously like a guy like cody bellinger like where's cody bellinger going to realistically and is he going to be back with the cubs is he going to be a giant um i would like him to be a red Sox. i don't think it'll happen but that would that obviously (laughs) be a be a a good addition so um again like josh hader you know that josh hader's picking up steam josh hader wants a lot of money um matt chapman as well like matt chapman's a platinum platinum glove award winner uh he's showing that he's a you know can be a good hitter whether he can put the pieces together that's questionable, but you're still paying, you know, for a frontline defender. Um, and obviously, you know, gets looked over a lot, but, but a, a fielder like that, you know, 
over the course of 162 games, you know, can provide immense value to a team, uh, regardless of, you know, how many homers or, or what he hits for the year. So, yeah, Blake Snell's an interesting one, too. The Yankees picking up steam with him, Jordan Montgomery as well. I don't know. I honestly don't have any temperature for where Jordan Montgomery's going to end up. Yeah. Um, Solaire. I think Solaire is going to end up a Red Sox. I think that's going to be a great fit at Fenway Park. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, him hitting those solar bombs over over uh, yep. over the uh, monster there would be pretty pretty awesome actually just to see that. But yeah, a lot of interesting. I think you you said something that I think is you know to to your point, free agency and baseball can sometimes lag a little bit, and then you know as we get closer to, to everybody reporting, that's when we start to see signings kind of dropping in. Um, but I think you know with a guy like Hader or even Snell, right? We're talking about the NL Cy Young from last year. I think you see their price tags and then you see their ages. And then I think you see deals that have been made over the last couple of the years. And I think teams are hesitant on some of that stuff with it. Like Shohei, I know we talked about Yamamoto not being overly proven, but I mean, those guys were obviously the top guys. And I think that's why we saw that bidding war right away. And especially, you know, Otana kind of expedited that with saying that he wanted to make a move early on. Um, And so, yeah, I'll be, I, you know, Montgomery, I know, obviously, the Rangers, Yankees, I think there's just a lot of teams right now that want to add some talent, especially pitching like that, left-handed pitching. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you look at Snell, 31 years old. Uh, yeah, he won the signing with the Rays. Then he had a couple of, I would argue, pretty mediocre years with the Padres. And then his last contract here, he does what he's supposed yep. to do. He tears it up, wins the Cy Young. But I think if you're a team and you're like, 31-year-old pitcher, wants 200 million dollars i don't know who i'm gonna get um you know to me it's not overly surprising that he's not necessarily on a roster quite yet um you know haters obviously a stud but you know when you're talking about that much money for even if you looking at an all-star closer i mean it's just (laughs) these teams like we talk about with the dodgers they're down to to spend as much as possible but certainly in the league not everybody is like that so you start to kind of eliminate certain options at that point depending on kind of the contracts that you're looking for um Chapman, I think he, yeah, I mean, ultimately defense, I think, is obviously so underrated in this league that we have now where it's like, you know, home runs and and some pitching and that's about it. But you really, at the hot corner especially, I don't think, you know, and if Chapman can give you the 2025 home runs that he's been proven to be able to do, I think he's underrated. And Bellinger, former, you know, MVP, man, I think, and he's still relatively young, honestly. People kind of forget that as well. But I think his ability to be able to, yeah, 28 years old, he can play. I know he's probably going to end up at first or, you know, DH, depending on where he goes, but also has outfield ability as well. So um, I'll be curious to see where he goes. I think he, you know, a lot of people that maybe don't follow baseball as close, but didn't realize how great of a season he had for the Cubs last year. So um, that would be interesting to see. I, I know you're obviously rooting for him to be a Red Sox. I think that would be awesome. I imagine, you know, I've heard the uh, reports about him maybe even going to New York and, him with that yeah. short right porch would be pretty lethal, it seems like. But, you know, as we talked about in our last episode, I don't even know where you'd think about playing him. So, <laughs> I mean, there's it's going to be interesting to see because there's only so many teams that want to shell out that kind of money for these guys. Yeah, I mean, just looking through some of these, you know, market, like Reese Hoskins has a market value of $21 million. I'm not paying Reese Hoskins $21 million a year. No. I, I mean, that's absolutely out of this world. I mean, Stroman's at 15 uh, Clayton Kershaw at 37. Oh, I no team would give Clayton Kershaw 37 million dollars <laughs> a year right now, obviously. Um, no. But yeah, I mean, there's some there's some interesting one like Jock Peterson. I mean, that, that's a interesting you know bat that could end up somewhere. Uh, yeah. You know, maybe not in an everyday role, 
Um, but you know, maybe for a contender like the Phillies, you know, get another lefty lefty power bat. Um, that one I I probably doubt would happen just just based off of you know the the amount of lefties they have. But you know, he's kind of intriguing. You know, he's he's shown that he can you know continually hit. Um, Cody Bellinger. I see, I think the issue here with with a lot of the big name guys, right? Like, there's something that sticks out that scares you. And I think that's why teams are having so hard shelling out money. And in that combined with the fact that we've now had record setting contracts, it resets the market. And so yeah. now Blake Snell's like, well, Yamamoto just got $325 million. I want an MLB Cy Young. He's never pitched in an MLB game. I want my money. And, you know, yeah. does Blake Snell probably deserve some money? Sure. Two time Cy Young winner. He's worth it. Um, has he lived up to what he wants? Maybe not on, on a consistent basis. He's shown that he can be that. Um, but again, like at age 31, is a team really going to shell out the money for seven to nine years that he wants? Like, I, it's just not something I'm willing to commit to. Um, you know, the same goes for Jordan Montgomery. Obviously, Montgomery's not, you know, asking for nearly as much as Blake Snell is, but, you know, we've seen him be very bad, um, especially in New York. Yeah. Uh, obviously, so you know the the big game argument maybe not as much as a factor now uh, because he's he pitched so well in the World Series last year, but he struggled in New York, and you know we've seen a lot of pitchers struggle, a lot of players just in general struggle in New York, uh, go to a different team and have have great success, and I think it just comes down to being in New York. It's a very demanding city, very demanding uh, fan base. Um, so how well would he be able to you know handle? Uh, a team like that, you know, they have all these questions. Cody Bellinger, again, like incredible season last year. Um, but he's had three, four years where he's been a non-factor. Um, if you want to dive into the analytics even more, uh, you know, I'm sure teams have concerns with his expected uh, batting average is a lot lower than his actual. Um, so it's just, it's tough. There's, there's so many, variables with these guys there's no as many good names as there are on this list there's no clear cut i'm willing to commit this money marcus stroman another guy i'm not willing to you know fully commit to what you want just based off the concerns i have reese hoskins again coming off injury how well is he going to come back jorge soler like you know what you're going to get from jorge soler you're going to get 25 (laughs) to 30 homers but you're going to strike out a crap ton and yeah hit in the 250s obviously Soler had an incre- uh, probably one of his better years of his career uh, outside of his 40 home run seasons, but just as a complete hitter average and, you know, whatnot. But again, it's a contract year and we've seen, we've seen guys on contract years. It's, it's, it's a real thing. Contract years are, are definitely a real thing. Oh yeah. Uh, players play out a lot higher than, than they should. So it's, it's tough. I, I think it's hard to forecast a lot of these guys. Um, you know, there's a lot. There's still a lot of quality relievers too out here. Adam Adamondavino could definitely go to a contender and, and be a good arm out of the pen. Uh, Mark Melanson, even at his age, could still be you know somewhat useful. Yeah. Chapman, another guy. Um, I don't know how much a team would be willing to give Chapman now, um, <laughs> yeah. but uh, he kind of revived himself a little bit in in Texas. You know, his velo was very down in New York. Comes to Texas and he's throwing 104 again. So again, yeah. it's another guy that you know a team might get behind. So I don't know. There's a uh, there's some big question marks here. I don't know if 
Kershaw is going to end up back on the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw not on the Dodgers would be very interesting. I don't. I think he would just retire. Yeah, I think so. I think that would be the move, or at least that would be. I mean, yeah, I couldn't imagine him really anywhere else. And I think, like we talked about, even if he doesn't get that thirty-seven million, I mean, who? I know Kershaw's been obviously serviceable. He's been an amazing pitcher for yeah. a long time. Um, you know, and it was sad to see just over all the years of how dominant he was, like his performance in the playoffs there. And I know that's not obviously how he wanted to go out, um, but seeing him on any other roster there, I, I don't know. It would be, to me, very similar, it, like when Madison Bumgarner pitched for the Dimebacks and, yeah. and didn't really do much, where it was just like, right. uh, man, it's more of a name than a talent. So I think, uh, yeah, I think I would see him retiring before I'd see him going back to the Dodgers. But also him on the Dodgers right now doesn't make a whole lot of sense either outside of like a feel good roster piece, I guess. But um, yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think what you said is spot on, man, in the sense that uh, every one of those guys has something that you're a little bit leery about. And I think like, obviously it's been this way for forever in baseball, but you look at somebody like Anthony Rendon for the angels who they're just the amount of money that they've paid that guy for the amount of games that he's played. And it's just like, you know, when there is risk there and you want to bring in one of the top free agents, but the market has been reset and that's what they're asking for at that time. Um, you know, if you're not a big money market team, you know, you, you can't afford something like that where you're paying some guy to not play for you or mm -hmm. to or to play for you and not really do do much in the sense of being successful there. So, yeah, I, I'm curious. I know there's a few, you know, big market teams. I know the Giants have been looking to add somebody big, you know, seemingly this whole offseason and just have not been able to capitalize even since last offseason when they went after Judge. So, you know, maybe expecting them to make a move. But I think uh, it'll be interesting to see. I feel like we'll probably get a few teams that will give some of these guys some of the big money just to bring them in. And then I think we'll probably see a lot of prove-it deals for some of these other guys, you know, these that very, you know, Teoscar Hernandez-esque in the sense of, like, here's – pretty good amount of money for one year maybe a club option or player option for the next year and and go from there but uh yeah it's you say all those names and it's kind of crazy to think that they're not on a roster but as we spoke about as well as we get closer to spring training i'm sure that'll obviously start to change to you know teams starting to look at their lineups maybe not as stacked as they want it to be and and uh willing to shell out some money then versus now yeah and i mean we've seen it before too like a bad contract can set an organization back years um you know, in the case of, let's say, Pablo Sandoval, uh, you know, a guy that can't get on the field, and when he's on the field, he's not productive. Um, you know, that sets teams back because you have to – It's you're either paying the guy to sit on the bench or be hurt, or you're paying him to not be on your team. And it comes down to that, just like Anthony Rendon. Like, you're paying Anthony Rendon to play 20 games a year, and you can't afford to do any – you can't afford to get a player uh, that actually will play for you. And it, it's uh, – it's it's definitely a concern. I think, um, you know, it it it's not something teams obviously want to go through. But there's obviously a risk to every free agent you sign, um, and I think it's it's how much money are you willing to commit to risking, and how much are you willing to, you know, put into this into this you know small whatever the percentage is of of him not being able to perform for us. How much are you willing to to put yourself back? Because let's say, like, Shohei is not going to be – I don't think Shohei will be a waste of money by any means. But it's, you know, the Dodgers obviously had to consider, like, he's not pitching for us right now. Yeah, He's not going to pitch for us probably for a year, year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, does that change our monetary view of him? Because, because of, you know, what he can't provide to us uh, 
in the immediate future. So, you know, it, it's it's definitely a, a concern. I think, you know, as a Red Sox fan, I've seen it firsthand many times. You know, Carl Crawford, Pablo Sandoval, even Adrian Gonzalez, I guess. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, so it's tough. And I think that's why we praise the Braves so much because, you know, even, the, even after Acuna got his salary, uh, you know, and he tore his ACL, it's it's like yeah like you know he's out for the year sucks but we're not paying him fifty million dollars this year uh, yeah. so we don't have this massive hole of money that's going nowhere so um, yeah I guess that's my thoughts on that a uh, couple more free agents obviously we have um, Shota Amanga coming out of Japan I think he's probably gonna end up with the Giants 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 are gonna go out and sign two uh, two international free agents. Um, I don't think Jung Hoo Lee will be, you know, anything crazy. I think he'll be a very good hitter. Um, I don't think he's, you know, he's not to the level of any of these, the other Japanese um, import, well, he's Korean, but uh, any of the other international signings this year. Um, and then the Red Sox, interestingly enough, um, listening to Yoshida trade offers. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I was surprised to hear that as well. I mean, I think ultimately um... – yeah, I know the Giants are going to continue. I, you know, you can just tell that they want to do something big, and I think ultimately in that they're a sneaky big market team in the sense that they can do something like that as well. And I think they'd rather go and get maybe some of that international talent versus like a, a Snell or something along those lines, um, just based on what we've seen them do in the past. But um, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the, the potential Red Sox trade there and how you're feeling about that. Well, so they're listening to Kenley too. I wouldn't mind the Kenley one just because. The, bull, the bullpen got a lot better last year. Kenley was great for us, and I think Kenley can still be a good pitcher, but $16 million for the next two years uh, is a lot, and I think there's something there to, to dump um, that's yeah. worth dumping. Yoshida doesn't make sense to me because you're willing to – you commit all this money. Obviously, you know, and it was more of a Heim thing um, than a Breslow thing, I guess, but, you know, you were willing to commit that amount of money for a 30-year-old Japanese player – and now you're not so I, I don't know. And that, you know, I think trading him would also be a bad look for any future Japanese player that you want to try and get. You know, you what the president you're sent uh, sending to these Japanese players is like, oh, yeah, we'll sign you for a year then trade. Like, that's not something you want to do. Obviously, Yoshida chose Boston for a reason over the other 30 teams. Um, it's not like he got drafted by them. It, it's a very big difference, right? Like you have these players that are choosing locations to go to, and especially for these Japanese players, like they're really choosing because, you know, coming to a completely different country, a lot of, you know, a lot of them would like to stay West coast. Obviously I think that's one of the bigger reasons Shohei and uh, Yamamoto signed with the Dodgers closest as you can get to Japan well, outside of Hawaii, obviously. But um, I think, you know, that's, that's a major impact. You're going all the way to the farthest point in the U S you possibly can to go, you know, play baseball which obviously is, you know, great in itself, but you're you're changing your entire life for it. Um, and I think, you know, yeah. trading after a year, especially after a very good year, uh, just sets a bad precedent. And I, I hope they don't do it. Um, I understand needing to, you know, dump some salary, which is a whole different conversation. I don't think the Red Sox are a team that needs to dump salary, but uh, yeah, I'm not a fan of it. I, I, I think, you know, as many reservations that I have yeah. about Yoshida in the long run, it's just not worth it right now uh, in the immediate future. Uh, there's there's really no upside to it yeah. at all. Uh, 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think you bring up a really good yeah, point about, point you know, on. any potential signings down the line, especially, I mean, the Red Sox are, you know, big market team. I mean, there's going to be opportunities for them, you know, in the future to get those guys. And if you kind of, to your point, you know, it's like, like a college football coach, if you're going in and, you know, saying all this stuff and then you don't act that way. I mean, in the future, people aren't mm-hmm. going to believe you. And like you're saying, it's a whole different life. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, you're not necessarily as close as you could be as you are on the West Coast. So, yeah, I get that. I've I've heard and diff- and seen different things that yeah, the Red Sox are acting almost like a small market team, which I'm curious to yeah. curious to see right. on that. I mean, we'll see. I, ultimately, I guess people are in the positions that they are for a reason, so maybe they got something up their sleeve. That would be my assumption there. But ultimately, it has been interesting to see that. And yeah, I mean, I think especially if somebody like Yamamoto hits, mm-hmm. right? If he comes out and he's like dominant, then I think you know we're gonna continue to see you know these Japanese. Uh, ball players or Korean ball players come over um, and be, you know, some of the hottest commodities in free agency. I saw that you Darvish was super disappointed with the Padres because that was like his ultimate goal as well. Was like, I want to build the Japanese super team over here, and 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 nobody even tried. So now, you know, if you're the Padres, right, and you got Darvish on your team, and obviously Darvish is probably going to tell, you know, all of his friends like, yeah, man, I wanted yeah. you here. They didn't even try. So well, that will wrap this episode up. Uh, hopefully we uh, we get to talk about some more free agent news next month on our next episode. Uh, hopefully everything is wrapped up by then and we get to look forward to spring training, see kind of how lineups are looking and uh, discuss that. But yeah, uh, this is a uh, this has been a fun offseason for baseball. Um, we haven't had anything like this in, in a bit. Uh, there's been some massive sweepstakes for some big name players and it's uh, it's been fun to follow along. So obviously want to thank Justin for being here with me. Uh, and we will catch you next time.